but but if you're a person who has experienced early childhood trauma or if you're a person who's experienced that pre-adolescent trauma and it's been consistent and you, so you have this overgrown amygdala at the center of your brain and you got to understand well holy crap some of this really is chemical and i need to understand how to control it you know and so you know and jason palmer and i got to go back to something that you have always said since day one the alliance jason palmer has said or in the good dad project i've heard jason palmer palmer say be the calm in the room i used to i used to honest to god cry myself to sleep at night because there were moments where i would reflect on when i was new to the dad's group there were moments when i would reflect on i wasn't i wasn't the calm today i wasn't even close to the calm today for my wife or my kids or both you know and I'd have that phrase from Palmer echoing in my head. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm never going to get, I'm never going to be able to live up to this. This is a show for the driven, for the dreamers. This isn't for the make-believers. I can walk all day long, but my walk has to become my must. This is for the determined, the self-defined. For those ready to push fear aside, crush doubt, and unleash the hero from the inside out. You are wonderfully made. You are beautifully fashioned. You are created with purpose. This isn't just another podcast. It's about living a life that counts. Yeah, that's... That's where I'm tracking. So I kind of had a premeditated question that I wanted to reach out to everybody. We're into week three of this tactical agenda, right? Okay. Who's really there? There can still be individuals struggling with anger, right? But who's really putting these into practice right now? Are you, you know, are you just being present? Or are you, I take these tacticals as the gospel. That's my mindset. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but the only way I'm going to get better is if I truly dive into this stuff, right? True, yep. truly pick myself apart yep and you know i i wonder are are guys really doing that and um as i'm new to the alliance right i'm figuring out who who's the all-in guys right who are the guys that are here because they they need it but they haven't really taken that leap of faith into what we're presenting you know so it's really i think it's interesting you bring that up um i have the joy and the benefit of having my lovely wife join me at the office and um also on the way in this morning after we left the gym um and this is part of what our some of our research is on right now and it's on the brain chemistry and so there, there's an interesting thing that comes with anger and i was uh in a part of a webinar yesterday and you know, this is something that Dr. Nick Sotelo could tell us um, that trauma that happens during your early, early ad adolescent years, trauma that happens during your formative years, that trauma stimulates um, the amygdala, right? And so when the amygdala is stimulated and when the amygdala works, it actually, um, so that's, that's where the fight, flight, freeze kind of 
lower brain, you know, the, the amygdala is right there at the, at the very center of your brain. It's right in the middle of your kind of lower brain. So it's a part of that downstairs brain, right? So in that amygdala responds up to up to a hundred times more quickly than your executive function, because the amygdala is the thing that keeps us alive. When I see the, you know, when I see the guy coming down the road in the, in the transfer truck and he's on his headset and he's got the video going and he may swerve, I'm like, Holy crap. You know, I don't think, Hmm, I wonder if I should swerve. You know, I don't have an executive meeting of the minds within my own mind that says I risk, I react. Right. And so during adolescent, so, so during multiple, during consistent, you know, um, instances or occurrences of trauma that happens during early, during early childhood development or pre-adolescence, then that continual amyg amygdala swelling that happens over and over, well, each time that happens, the body releases serotonin to help the swelling go down. So the body's only going to produce so much serotonin. So there actually comes like a point to where the body does not produce enough serotonin for the swelling to subside and go down. So what that in turn creates is that in, that in turn creates an, an overdeveloped amygdala, if you will, because we no longer live in a world where I have to necessarily be on my tiptoes all the time to kill what I eat or I'm not in a war zone environment. And if I'm in a, if I'm in a conference, to, if I'm in a conference room, right. And all of a sudden I start displaying the characteristics of somebody who's on a battlefield getting shot at, right. Then that's not going to have the desired outcome. Well, what if I'm also that kid, you know, there's so many guys in the DEA, myself included, who talk about their experiences with early childhood trauma with pre-adolescent trauma. I grew up with a home that had an abusive alcoholic uncle. I mean, this guy was a piece of work. Well, this is why we say hurt people hurt people, but then help people or, or uh, healed people rather help heal people. So you have to develop a tremendous amount of resiliency in order to understand the fight, flight, freeze, and understand yourself and work to understand where you're coming from and and part of understanding where you're coming from is understanding that you're a young man who has experienced a tremendous amount of childhood trauma so in that in that event that you've experienced that amount of childhood trauma there is more of a propensity right there's more of a prevalence for you to act out in there's more of a prevalence for you to really demonstrate irrational anger tendencies. You know, there's a, yeah. there's a prevalence for you to demonstrate kind of anger at scale, kind of volcano or hand grenade with the pin out, you know, or even gas and masses. Right. And so two things that I go back to is I love the metaphor that Nick put in there for us in, in week one that says volcano or campfire like that one stuck with me was that week one or was that last week I forget but volcano or campfire anger doesn't have to be destructive but then and this does go back to week one we got to understand that we have four primary feeling states and that those four primary feeling states 
have to elevate or, or they have to mature right equally but but if you're a person who has experienced early childhood trauma or if you're a person who's experienced that pre-adolescent trauma and it's been consistent and you, so you have this overgrown amygdala at the center of your brain and you got to understand well holy crap some of this really is chemical and i need to understand how to control it you know and so you know and jason palmer and i got to go back to something that you have always said since day one the alliance jason palmer has said or in the good dad project i've heard jason palmer palmer say be the calm in the room i used to i used to honest to god cry myself to sleep at night because there were moments where i would reflect on when i was new to the dad's group there were moments when i would reflect on i wasn't i wasn't the calm today i wasn't even close to the calm today for my wife or my kids or both you know and I'd have that phrase from Palmer echoing in my head. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm never going to get, I'm never going to be able to live up to this. So Scott, it's a really, it's a really good point that you bring up. Our guys, you know, our guys trying to figure out how to walk and talk and practice this thing or, you know, or not. Right. So anyway, <laughs> I hope that you know, John, part of what you said, I think it's really interesting. It's not just a chemical thing. It's, it's biochemical. There's actual MRI evidence. You can see that when that, especially in those young ages, but throughout life, as that amygdala is firing on a regular basis, you're creating new neural pathways. Right. And it's just like this great big road out here in front of me. The more times you run on it, the more vehicles coming up and down here, the more they're going to come out and pave it wider and wider and bigger. And it's going to carry more traffic. And it's not until you find a way to begin to shut that down and build new neural pathways that have a healthy coping mechanism that you have to consciously go after on a regular basis in order to shrink the traffic on this great big highway of, of rage and anger and fear. And uh, honestly, I think the, the vast majority of it is rooted in fear. I mean, that's what the amygdala is for. It's, I'm afraid of this. It's going to kill me. Let's get angry so I can kill it first. And so until we build those coping mechanisms so that we can take the bypass around that and, and build that neural pathway and nurture that neural pathway, that the, those ones from a young age begin to shrink and those, they'll start to get smaller. It's, it's part of the biophysical data that they've been able to, to gather on this specific piece of how the human brain works. And we've seen so much of it, not just you know, in my world with kids and foster kids and, and youth trauma, but just like you mentioned earlier, soldiers coming back from the battlefield. Mm. You know, you go, you go over in the sandbox and you spend 24-7 for a year with people literally trying to shoot you, not only come out of the, the scary place in the dark and shoot you in the face, but the guy who's hiding off in the, in the treetops who can shoot you at any moment with a sniper rifle. You, you spend that year doing that and you develop some of those. For some people, I guess I would say, some soldiers come back and they've developed that, overdeveloped that amygdala response and it's really difficult to shut that back down. So we see that everywhere from childhood all the way up into adulthood. And that's a piece that we have to learn how to overcome. And a lot of it is learning the things that, like what Nick has been talking about, and putting that into practice. Not just learning, learning the, the intellectual piece of it, but learning how to put that in practice on a daily basis. Because, John, I know I have preached be the calm in the room. 
And that came out of a moment with my wife where she was getting ready to step into a, a nasty situation with, with some of the family as our daughter was sick. And they thought that, you know, that she was going to have to go make some, some real life, possibly life ending choices in the hospital that night. And she knew there was going to be family members who knew that it was going to be intense and emotional. And these are the people that bring chaos because drug addicted people bring that with them. And she knew all that. And that was kind of one of those moments, you know me, I'm obviously a verbal processor. And, and, and that came out of that moment where I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, what does she need to hear most? And it was that moment that I realized you don't just have to look for somebody to be calm. You don't have to try and, and make somebody else calm. You have to be the calm. You need to bring that with you everywhere you go. And man, as much as I preach it, I have, I have failed it 10 times more than I have succeeded at it. But the more you practice, the more that pathway gets bigger, the better you are at it, and the more it will change your life. I'm curious with society right now, not just our alliance, right, our dads, but our society, right, because we have been in that sheltered society and what we're going through right now. Suicide is up. We don't see that in the media right now because of the current pandemic, right, and the stress and and everything um, that it, it's creating. But what's the five year, you know, in five years when, I mean, we don't know what five years is gonna be like, but I assume it's gonna be what it was a year ago from today, kind of normal, right? But what baggage, what emotions, what, you, you know, PTSD are people still going to be carrying because of the current state? You know, I, my wife said something day one when all of this happened, and she said that, and, and because of our work with students, and I still have it on a posted on one of my screens here. It says students are in severe need due to isolation, depression. There will be increased thoughts of suicide and hopelessness, and this is for us. This is one of the reasons why we worked so hard to move to an online engagement. This is why we've, you know, we've been dropping videos and content and we've encouraged our staff to go live daily. Actually, it's been an expectation for our team here at the office to go live, just some form of engagement because in the, you know, social distancing is all the new craze, right? But just to comment on that, there is there is an opportunity to create social isolation while you're practicing social distancing. I want to go back to something Palmer said a moment ago when Palmer began talking about neuroplasticity and brain chemistry and, and that sort of thing. And and I don't I, I've shared this um I've shared this video. It's live right now. What we're doing is live on the dad's group too. So I don't, I'm clicking on the Facebook page to see if anybody, if any of the guys are, are coming in here with us. But you know, the, the thing about this is, you know, Mark Devine's book, Un, Unbeatable Mind has been a real gem for a lot of guys, me included. And one of the things that Devine talks about, and it's the cover of the book. It's, you know, feeding the courage wolf and starving the fear wolf. Well, we can't stop there, right? 
and it's not and that's and if you read the entirety of divine's book he talks about the five mountains and of course those five mountains as i understand them are the five elements or the five areas of whole person health it's the physical body it's it's your mental psyche it's your you know it's your relationships it's your you know it's your it's your sex life with your wife it's how you parent your kids it's you know it's 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 the whole it's whole life encompassing right it's whether or not you feel fulfillment in your job or if it's time to, you know, launch a side hustle or whatever. And we, and we, and we can't stop there. Right. So we can't compartmentalize our lives and we can't say, well, dude, I'm banging it out. I'm making a million dollars a month, but from time to time, I'm a jerk. Right. Uh, from time to time I lose, I blow my top and I, whatever. I mean, so this is where we really have to, this is where, where, where we really have to take even that concept of feeding you know, feeding the courage wolf and starving the fear wolf, we have to feed the calm in the room wolf and we have to starve the anger wolf, you know, or the destructive anger wolf. We have to starve the volcano. We have to feed the campfire to use Nick's metaphor. So to mix metaphors, starve the volcano and feed the campfire and so where are we going to throw? And, and then this is, a, you know, this comes back to the whole question of, of where, where are we going to devote our, our energy? You know, where are we going to develop our energy? I've unfollowed several news sources on Facebook because it's like, okay, enough is enough, right? It's like, I'm done. Please quit trying, quit trying to put your, you know, shackle of fear around me. Like, I don't need this. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel most alive when I'm thriving and I feel most alive when I'm going and when I'm doing. And, and yes, I don't have to put myself at, at, at some sort of uh, uncalculated risk. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't have to do 120 on the interstate, right? I don't have to, I don't have to travel if it's non-essential, but who gets to decide non-essential for me? My wife and I booked an airfare yesterday. We paid for the Airbnb yesterday. And, but here's the thing for me, like you got to understand when I was a kid, I dreamt of getting to do stuff. Right. And so, you know, it's just like true. Kathy said of Chick-fil-A, he said, food is essential to life. Therefore make it good. If you're going to eat, you better eat good, baby, right? And us in the South, we understand that. We got our biscuits. We got our gravy. We got our bacon. God knows we got our bacon, you know? And so for me, like, man, for me, like, travel is essential to life. Therefore, make it good, you know? Your relationships are essential to life. Therefore, make them good. So, I mean, the encouragement I think I want to leave here, and I think – I think the thing from Mark Devine that the, the precedence he sets with feeding the courage wolf and starving the fear wolf, man, I think there's really a translation here. And I think it's, as guys get better and guys look, man, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have moments where you fail. Palmer, you just heard Palmer say it like the author of calm in the room. You just heard him say he's had times where he's been a total, total fail. You're going to fail, but you're going to get better over time. It's not that I'm not as good as I'm going to be, but I'm not nearly as bad as I was 10 years ago. I'm not, dude, I'm not even the same guy I was five years ago. You know what I mean? So I think there's something, 
I don't know, man. I just, I, I think there's something there. I'm going to share the, um, I don't know. Either one of you guys want to comment on that? Thoughts around that? Well, just to your point of not being the same individual, I think that's so crucial. Not everybody has that perspective. They forget who they were. And that sometimes discourages continued growth, right? Because they, they think they haven't changed or, or adapted or, or bettered themselves. Um, it, it's absolutely vital to know who you are, where you're from, what you are, and where you've progressed from. Always have that reminder, that self-reminder of, of what you were, where you were, and where you are today. Um, Attitude. It's 100% attitude. It's the mindset, right? A lot of those those boilerplate words that we use. Um, I always say control the controllables, right? I think that's crucial, um, especially in anger management or anger resolution, right? Are, are you losing your your bearings because it's something you can't control? You wish the outcome was different. And, and if it is a slight control, right? I mean, if it's helping somebody, if it's somebody else, John, I'm upset with you. Why, why should I get mad and lose, lose my top, right? I have two choices. I can accept it. It's not my problem. Or I accept it and it, I will make it become my problem by helping you, John, mm-hmm. which in return helps both of us, right? Yeah. It's, it's that mindset, it's that attitude, the way you approach We got, I think we got four or five guys I think the, in the dad's group listening. Palmer, I don't mean to cut you off. I think we got four or five guys. Guys, I posted the link to join this call, discussion as a comment there in the Facebook page if you'd like to join. If you'd like to tag somebody who you know is available to join, uh, man, go ahead, pull them in, tag them. Um, feel free to hop on the call and join us. Go ahead, Palmer, please. I think that mindset piece is, is most aptly described and something I heard from Jocko Willink, who I don't always agree with everything he has to say. He's a pretty intense dude, right? I but, love Jocko, dog. I love him. Everything, oh. he, like, it's it's gospel. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> he's a pretty cool, intense man. guy. And, and I think that, I think the intensity turns a lot of people off. But, but what the core message I heard from him first was this. Stop worrying about whose fault it is. Stop worrying about the blame piece. The idea is that I choose to take the responsibility for fixing a problem that exists. I don't care who caused this problem unless they're continuing to cause it and I have to stop the bleeding first. What I'm doing is I'm not saying you're to blame, he's to blame. I'm not the one to blame. Just I want to know, I want you to know I'm not the one to blame. Instead, you walk in, you identify a problem, and you say, Do I have the skill set or can I gain the skill set? to fix this problem and you take the responsibility on yourself for the solution. Don't worry about the blame. Blame just brings guilt, shame, and shuts everything down. None of us are successful when we operate in blame and, and shame and guilt. The only success comes out of choosing to take the responsibility for the solution on yourself and just go after it, regardless of what anybody else says. And when you look at the Jocko Willing story, the story about the blue on blue incident, you can see where in a real world time, that was such a powerful thing that changed probably millions of lives at this point for the, the influence that Jocko has in, in culture today. And that alone 
is one of those key mindset features that will change how you approach problems and the idea of shaming yourself. Well, and in extreme ownership, when Jocko's presenting in front of the blue and he's presenting in front of his commanders and they've got everybody there and, you know, he's talking about the blue on blue and he talks about how he analyzed the thing and how he's, he was looking for, okay, how did this go wrong? Where did, was it a communication breakdown? Was it a strategy breakdown? Was it a tactical breakdown? Like what, what was it? And then he pointed at himself. I've got it on my door over here that says everything is my fault. And I think if you can live with that ownership, then it's, it's never going to be for you. My kids are going to be kids, right? Like my kids are going to be like my 16 year old. Well, he's 17 now kids. When they learn to drive, they, they don't always do it perfectly. And I have to understand that. And I have to give my kids grace, you know, it, it just happens right? Like my wife is, chances are she's, she's going to leave the curling iron on. She says she doesn't. She's right over here. She's like, I do not, you know, chances are some, (laughs) she's like, if that's the worst thing you can find them good. You are pretty awesome, baby. Pretty good looking too. But anyway, um, look, stuff like that's just going to happen, right? But look, I'm the one, I've chose to be a married man. I've chose to marry my wife, right? I've, I chose to procreate and have children, right? I take ownership for those kids. I take ownership for my wife, right? That's why I paid for my kids' insurance. Again, Jason, we were talking about those legitimacy taxes, right? It's a legitimacy tax for me as a man to get to do things and pay for things as a business. Like I actually appreciate, anyway, that's a different conversation, but on that subject, oh my God, anybody can point out the problem. It takes, it takes something special to be the person that finds the solution. Anybody can complain. The world, Facebook is news media, right? Social media, like news media. Um, I met a guy recently named Willie Williamson, Dave, Dave, Willie Williamson. And Willie was, um, Willie was a, he's a naval, a deep water naval diver. And he calls TV, the fear box. He calls media, the fear box, you know? And I think that's so good. And in, in the fear box and in the world of that, anybody can find problems, man, but anybody can point the finger. But like, we've got to, this is where I don't know how you can come, I wanna make a comment here. This is where I don't know how you can come to a group like this. I don't know how you can come to a group that's all about how can I get better? How can I show up more healthy? How can I practice these things? How can I do life with a man like Jason Palmer, who, who's a foster father and he's loving his wife and he's doing all of these things and, and everything that he's involved with? How can, I do a guy, how can I do life with guys like Scott? How can I do guys, life with guys like Nick Sotelo or Dennis Maney or Ryan Guerrero or Andy Nelson? Or, and Andy just said in the comments, whiners point out the problem. How can I do life with guys like these and my life itself not be elevated to some degree? And because my life is being elevated, those around me are better for it. Hey, Andy's hopping on. 
this should be good. Come on, Andy. And to your point, I think it was Jeremy Roadrock who posted the other day, you know, it goes to, if you want to be successful, you have to align yourself with successful people, right? You've got to get rid of the baggage, the weight, and, and there's going to be some relationships, right? Hey buddy, there's going to be some relationships that are sacrificed and will become a distant memory. Think more to that, Scott. Well, I, sure. There's this big idea of, you know what? So, so if I'm actually gonna, you know, one of the, one of the things that we did early on, Andy, you remember these, you remember doing our obituaries, right? Wow. Okay. So my, I still got that saved in my phone from me too. Same. My alcoholic uncle who lived for the bottle, who lived for anger, who lived for rage, who lived for destruction, like that's what his life was known for, right? And by the way, my mom and his siblings still hasn't have or haven't had a memorial service for him because there's like, there's not any good memories. And so for us to change our life, for us to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pledge to be healthy. I'm going to pledge to be committed to my wife. I'm going to pledge to commit to my kids and love my kids. And I mean, you know, my, my kids are going to know their dad and they're going to know their dad loves them and provides and all these things. If I'm, if I'm committing to those things, then that means I'm rebelling against the other things, right? So anytime we commit to something, we turn away from something else. And so, dude, there's a massive thing at play there about discontinuing some relationships in our lives. And and that can be scary for a lot, right? Because what you're willing to sacrifice and cut out of your life is probably more familiar to you than those that you're going to start to gravitate towards, right? Mm -hmm. And it it goes back, though, right? At that point now, you have the action item, but now... Well, you have the words, right? Now your action items need to speak louder, right? You, you have to start getting those deeper connections with those individuals. And, and I, I mean, for me in those situations, I had to completely cut ties. Like it was a hard stop. I couldn't just gradually uh, step away. It was just, all right, they're out of my phone. They're, you know, there's no emails, there are no texts, they're on a block. Um, and this is where I need to go. And this is what I want to be. And these are now, you know, they're still an acquaintance, but I need to make them my friends and I need to be loyal to them. And it's not even the, as simple as expecting them to open their arms to you, right? You need to first show them that your loyalty, I think, um, you know, your, your appreciation, there's that generosity Um, where you're going to be probably giving more to them. And then in return, their success is going to start to be brought back to you. That's how I approach that. What would you say to that, Andy? Because that almost sounds like that Jim Rohn quote, you know, the one that he says you're going to be the average of your five closest relationships. Yeah. And that's the whole idea of the mastermind. You talk about sharing successes. You know, when Andy wins, I win. When Scott wins, I win. When Jason wins, I win. When I win, you guys win. There, there's a, there's almost a mutual, okay, we're getting better as a collective. Yeah. 
And that's where, you know, speaking about just cutting people out, we talked about this a lot on Reggie's call last night. Like I've basically completely cut my parents out of my life in the last, since November. Yeah. And that's because they constantly play this victim. I had a conversation with my mom last summer as I was helping them pack up their house to move out of the house that I grew up in. And she basically told me that she will always love me, but she does not accept me in the way, in the choices that I have made in life. And this goes back to their belief system and in the, in the, in the stuff that they're involved in with their, they call it a church, but I'd call it a cult. Um, and I, my dad's tried reaching out a handful of times. They don't even know that I just bought a house two months ago. Like they know nothing about what's going on in my life right now. And because they hold me back, they caused me so much trauma in my life. We talked about this last night. Like I had to hide everything about me until I was about 36 years old before I started divulging to them some of the stuff that I've been through Mm. because there was so much shame around me and just making mistakes and not living life a certain way and just being human, right? Like just being human. I didn't do anything dramatically wrong. I did normal stuff that probably speaking of guys in the Alliance, there's probably if there's 400 guys in this group, there's 250 of them that have done probably 90% of what I've done. Right. But there was so much shame around that in in me growing up. And like I said, my dad tried reaching out a few times here recently. um, And I kind of denied that because this conversation I had with my mom and her telling me that I looked back in my phone and the last time I spoke to her, she even tried to text me Mm. was to tell me that we were doing an anniversary dinner of the one year of my sister passing. And since that dinner, I have not spoken to her. That was the November 3rd. And so now I've chosen the people that I want to surround myself with. The guys in this group on these calls, the guys that I've kind of handpicked as closer friends from in this group. I went for a run last night with my realtor who helped me find my house because I know him from my gym and one of my coaches from the gym, we met up and went for a run around the lake last night because they pushed me to be better, not just in my physical abilities with working out in that, but we have conversations like this when we're around each other. I, I think, I think Andy, that's really healthy. I can relate to a lot of that. My mom, I love my mom. My mom's an amazing lady. But my mom has her, she definitely has her hangups, as we all do, right? And sorry. No, you're fine. You, for me, you have to, (laughs) you have to, you have to build your own life. And even though, like I share some of your same sentiment, there's a lot in my life I don't share with my with my parents there's a lot in our life that we don't share with our extended family and this kind of thing we just don't because we do our life and we would take a lot of heat if we shared you know what i mean some of the five points of how we live what we choose to do how we spend and invest our resources stuff like that we would take just a lot of criticism and there's just no reason whatsoever for the criticism so we keep it we keep it to ourselves and we live we live life as we want to live life i think that's healthy dude Totally. And you know, that, that conversation with my mom, that was coming up on a year ago. 
I looked her in her eyes and I said, the heavy part for you is that you have to carry around that you don't accept me, but I love and accept you exactly how you are right now. Yeah. I don't want you to change. I want you to be you. I just want you to accept me for who I am because I, I feel like I'm a good person. Just because I'm covered in tattoos and I don't go to your church anymore doesn't put me lower on this totem pole of life that you've got going, you know, but that that's her choice. And she has to live with that. And I'm okay. I walked out of that conversation. Like somebody took a car off of my back. I was grateful for that. I'm grateful to be where I'm at. We, I mean, I, last night's call on Reggie's call was huge because we were talking about being, grateful and, and really sitting in gratitude, not just making a checklist. Like you wake up, I'm grateful that I'm healthy, but actually sitting in that and letting those emotions come to you of how you feel when you're so grateful for those things. And last night was, I don't, I didn't tell anybody on the call last night, but last night was the first time I've ever said it out loud that I'm grateful for my sister passing a year and a half ago. Walk like it, it, it has changed the, for, yeah, for guys who don't have context, like, right, give us some context of how you get there. Sure. So, you know, she started her battle with cancer and lost it in seven months in a day, right? Um, and I've just chosen to to celebrate her and look at the way that she, I mean, she had over 500 people at her funeral, right? Like, that shows the impact that she had on people's lives. Yeah. And that's what it's just, it's changed fundamentally who I am as a human and how I show up, whether it's on a call like this or on a, with my kids or with anybody that I'm with, like I'm fully present when I'm there. Every, nothing else matters. And, that, and I just, I, it sucks that it took that to open my eyes to it, but I'm forever grateful that it did because I had 38 years with my sister. I was talking to one of our young men in the office yesterday and he um, he's coming up into a point in his life. His dad is, is an older man and he's, his dad is kind of feeling like he's, he's nearing the end, you know, and that's Andy, the, the same thing that you just said was the same thing that I told this guy. I said, look, man, you've had the gift of your father's life you've got to watch your dad. You've got to observe how he handles things. You've got to observe how he treats people. You've kind of opened the door here, here twice. And I kind of want to go back to it because you've, you've opened the door to the conversation of organized religion when it comes to acceptance and forgiveness and how we process even relational community. So I'm, I mean, I grew up in the South, man, <laughs> you know, it's, this is like, this is the birthplace of dogma, you know, like this is the birthplace of, uh, you know, duck, duck, damn, right. You can't, you can't cuss. You can't, you know, look at a girl more than twice. You can't, you know, use four letter words or else, you know, do not pass go or to, do not collect $200, go straight to hell kind of a thing. Right. And, um, and for me, personally, I really have, I really have issue. I really take issue with any form of religion that, that has a problem with expressing acceptance in a pure form and expressing love in a pure form. And I am a person of faith of Christian faith. 
and and not I mean not to open up the not to open up you know a religious debate or a can of worms or anything like that. I don't want to do that. That's not where I'm trying to lead this. But I really personally I think Jesus would have a hard time with people today. And I think it was the church who put him on the cross back in the day. I think the church would do the same thing all over again today because well, it doesn't fit up to their playbook. You've taken, I don't believe in the imperfection in the, the natural sin or whatever like that. I don't believe that's, I believe we're born perfect, right? With your flaws and everything, like you are exactly who you're supposed to be. But if you take into consideration that you've got flawed men mm. that run this organization in the name of God and in the name of Jesus or whatever church that it is. So you're leaving so much room for interpretation. And I, we could read the same passage from whatever book it is and we could interpret it very differently. And I'm not, I'm not anti anybody. I, I would, John, I love it if you preach to me or Joe Bailey. I, there's a reason I get on Joe Bailey's call every Friday morning. I joke around and say, I'm going to church, right? Like, but I love that because you, you have this strong belief system, but you're both so fully accepting of other people. I mean, you guys have accepted me. Like I've been friends with you, John, for over three years and, and as well as Joe. And we talk openly about that stuff. And, you know, Joe sent me a text the other day. He goes, I think you're a lot closer to God than you think you are. I would agree with Joe Bailey on that one. And, and I don't deny that. I just, I don't put a name to who that person is because I've, I've attached, like I've read and I've researched and I pull little pieces from this religion and this religion. I'm like, I like that. I'm going to live my life by that. So I don't, I don't have a specific deity that I, I claim is mine or to be the true one. Right. But if you do, that's awesome. I hope that works out for you. I, I, I really do. Like even my parents, I don't agree with 98% of what they preach in their church because they are very not accepting, but it works for them and it makes them happy. So I want them to do that because it gives their life purpose. So I could rant on that forever. So I, I'll. Oh yeah. I think you and I could both mix that one up for a while. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about the acceptance piece. Ariel Estes. What's up, man. Welcome to the call. How are you? Doing good, John. Sorry I'm late here. Um, tied up on a couple other calls, but I wanted to make sure I jumped on. No no worries, man. We're actually live streaming right now on Facebook. Yep. So I've got you guys on two screens here. It's kind of <laughs> cool. Uh, we've got some comments in the box. Uh, Andy, uh, Scott, Dennis Maney talked about we have so much to mourn or we have to mourn that those, you know, those past relationships and move on. Um, Dennis to Andy says, I can relate to so much of what you're saying. Uh, Dennis, um, I said that to my dad after my mom passed away. I'm extremely grateful that I had my mom for 36 years. He became pretty upset with me and nearly, and nearly four years later, he's still not at that point. I mean, that's kind of sad. So Dennis, we, you know, I hope you hope your dad can figure out a way to, to, to learn to appreciate that time we had in the finality, you know, cause so, so life, death is a natural part of life. I want to talk a little bit about that acceptance piece. We've got about 10 more minutes before we're at the top of the hour, 13 more minutes before we're at the top of the hour. And the acceptance piece. So at the beginning of the year, tent moved around reflecting on 2019, reflecting on the years before 
and so you know honestly gentlemen remember the, the the conversation was honestly gentlemen how did it go for you did you execute did you do the things that you were going to do did you did you did you did you so it's an honest assessment looking back and now okay whether i completed whether i executed or not wherever i'm at i'm going to show myself compassion in order that i can exercise or that i can demonstrate compassion to others because i have to i have to demonstrate compassion to my own self before i can demonstrate compassion to others but i have a work in theory here with this anger thing and and my work in theory is and this is and i don't want to say i'm afraid that it would happen but i think it can happen i think I think some of us, if we're not careful, we can drift off into a place where, where we exercise compassion for ourselves without actually understanding the negative effect that our anger produced in that moment. Does that make sense? I think we can let ourselves off the hook too quickly and, and we, can, we can confuse that for honest assessment and compassion. What do you guys think? John, I think, uh, I think it goes back to, um, you know, assessing, you know, judging the situation and the action and not, not the person. And we talk about that a lot with, you know, how we treat others, but in treating ourselves as well that way. So I, th I think sometimes we can uh, be too harsh on ourselves, um, but if we just stick to what the what the issue is, and you know come up come up with the solution or you know just be in that and and, and our thoughts on that, um, then then we move away from the self uh, the self critical behavior, um, and we should be assessing ourselves and trying to correct ourselves and making ourselves better, but not 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 at the expense of you know, thinking that we're, we're not good enough. Um, so, so really kind of taking that emotional piece out of it, if we can, and going back to the situation and what we did and working on that and not making that, you know, part of who I am or not at, that makes sense. Yeah. It does. Here's what I'm saying though, Errol, what I'm saying is, is like, okay, what if, you know, what if I say my wife's sitting over here and she's in the conference room or whatever what if, you know, what if for whatever reason I come in just, you know, fuming about something, some guy cut me off when I was pulling in the parking lot, whatever it is, and I'm just angry and I find some nitpicky, whatever crap with her. And I just, all that, she says, I do that all the time. That's not good. We're live here. Don't tell everybody that. <laughs> oh, there is some truth to it. Right. Right. Okay. There is some truth to it. Okay. I confess there is some truth to it. That's why I'm using it as an analogy. And what if I do that and I bring that in and I bring in that hyperventilated headspace and I just unload on my kids or I unload on my wife and blah, 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 whatever. Right. And then I'll, I, and then I, I give myself permission to not process the pain of that moment by exercising compassion too quickly, exercising self-compassion too quickly before I take the time to really understand the damage that that 
hyperventil- hyperventilated headspace created in those around me. If I don't take the time to understand where they're coming from, then how can I truly process that to move forward? Does that make sense? Yeah. Would, would you really call that compassion or would you call it more of a, more of a denial? Because I don't, I don't really believe we can be in a compassion, a yeah. compassionate state if we're, if we're not willing to take accountability and take responsibility for our actions, you know, is that really compassion or is that just ego and pride? It's like, it's like saying I'm sorry and then not correcting the action is what it is. Like, I I just, I just had this conversation with Tyler with my five-year-old the other day. He's like, I'm sorry, dad. I promise it won't happen again. I was like, I don't believe you. I told him flat out. I said, buddy, I, I, I love you to death. And I hope that this, it was, it was minor, right? But I was like, I don't believe you because you do this all the time. Yeah. So instead of saying you're sorry, I don't want to hear I'm sorry right now. I want yeah. you to prove to me next time we're having this type of situation that you don't do this again. I say, you need to show me because this telling me is bullshit. Like it really is. Like I, I, I don't operate in the space of words. I mean, words matter, right? But we talk about it in, in the Alliance all the time. It's what do you do? Actions matter. What, what you say doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all what you say because I could fill you guys up with all kinds of shit right now. But if I don't follow through on it, then why? Why even waste that space? Why waste your time? Hundred percent. Scott, you had a comment there. Yeah, I was just saying actions as well. Um, same thing with Andy with my daughter. You know, it, it's it's to the point of you know no more sorry. It's it's a repeat offense. Let's just put action into plan. You know, it's kind of like always that follow-up. One of my pet peeves is uh, when somebody, oh, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, you know, yada, yada, yada. But the but statement, right, drives, no, it's either you're doing it or you're not. It's mm-hmm. black and white, no gray. But is gray. Um, but, you know, kind of to some of your thoughts, one thing that kept driving in my mind is, you know, I had a conversation with Aaron, oh, goodness, probably a year and a half ago. Aaron, my wife, for those who, who don't know, but uh, um, she made the comment, why do you always say no? And my response was, well, saying no is easier than saying yes. Yes takes time, consideration, thought. I can say no and just be at that, but then I can think and foster thoughts in my brain, let things marinate, and then come back and say yes. You, you know, kind of stretch it out. No is not the right answer, though, either. And saying yes isn't the right answer. It, it's, you know, let me think about it. Being truthful, being honest, you know, I, I don't know. I need time to think. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It. I, I was a person, though, who would live by no because it was just easier. That's a really good point, Scott. And what I'm what I'm picking up and where I kind of want to hear you guys thoughts on here after after some sort of demonstration of destructive anger or destructive anything right after some sort of demonstration of destructive whatever how much time between adults like how much time should be, and I know it's going to be contingent on like the, the level of damage and 
you know, some, some levels of damage are going to include lawyers, right? I mean, let's just be real. There's some things it's just you're, you or your significant other. It's just, okay, we're, I'm just, no, this is not going to work. Like this is, this is termination. This is over. This is the end. But just, you know, day to day doing life. How much time do you think we should give to stuff like that with our significant others? You know, my wife needs a good 24 hours um, to have a constructive conversation. I, I just need a couple hours. Um, I'm quick to step away and then start putting my thoughts into their, why are they feeling this way? Why are they thinking this? And, and trying to uh, change, not necessarily change my mindset, but or opinion, but to understand them uh, as quickly as possible because I want to resolve it. But with uh, with Erin, she she does need a good day. Um, she has some issues of just letting go of that anger piece or that frustration piece. She needs to let it marinate a little longer. Hmm. Uh, but I, I think it is based on the individual, right? And and what steps though they're trying to become better. I, I would hope the majority of us in this alliance, right, who are actively digesting this anger resolution, they have a shorter turnaround time if they're putting this content into play, right? But the individual who is just stubborn, hell-bent on their way is the only way, they're going to take longer. And, and it goes back to what we talk about knowing your audience as well. That's a, that leads to another question, Scott. If you're the offended party, I mean, how often should you, I mean, I mean, do we, so if, if we're going to forgive and if we're going to move forward, if we're going to continue in right in relational community, with whoever we're in relational community with, at what point do we just let stuff go that we just keep, you know, we just quit keeping a record? The record piece, right? My wife has kept score. I, I, you know, I, I'm probably losing uh, 199 to one. <laughs> um, but uh, I, oh, it, I think it's okay. Well, here, here's the question. Is, how's that healthy for a relationship? That, that, that's not healthy. You, you know, I know that. I think she knows that. Um, but I think that's part of a woman's DNA potentially. I don't know for sure. Uh, but I hear that's very common with a lot of my, my friends and, and peers that it's the same way with their significant other. Um, at the same time, I do think it is healthy. It should not be a majority, but it is healthy to have an agree to disagree moment. That is yeah. okay. Sorry. No, you're fine, Ariel. No, um, I, I, I agree with Scott 100%. And I think that uh, one of the things I've been working on, and, and it is a big work in progress, um, you know, the way that I take offense and get defensive about things and, and, and forgiveness is that, you know, circ there are circumstances in life that happen to all of us, right? We all face different circumstances. And this, those circumstances really do not have power over you know, how we show up, how we react. 
the reactions that we have, the emotions that we have around, you know, a circumstance that happened, it's all based on our thoughts. Okay. So how are we, okay. Yep. So once we take a hundred percent responsibility for our own thoughts and we do the work uh, to change the thoughts that we're having around a given circumstance, Hmm. that changes the emotional response. Hmm. And again, this is all good theory and it's easier said than done. It's a, you know, 40 years, I'm still working on this. Um, but it, but it really is, we have a hundred percent control over our own thoughts. We can't control, you know, what another person's going to do, but it's that, it's that, you know, the thoughts that we have around that and, and the emotions come from those thoughts and, and not the circumstance. Errol, I mean, you honest to God just brought us full circle. I mean, this is, this is, this is literally what we started the conversation on. We started the conversation on Andy, remember the uh, the unbeatable mind, the courage wolf, fear wolf. Remember that. And so there's even the idea here: we can we can feed the volcano wolf, or we can starve the volcano wolf, right? We can feed the campfire wolf. So anger is a campfire. Campfires are inviting. Campfires are a place for conversation and for relational community. And right, uh, campfires are even a place for nostalgia. Campfires are a place for reminiscing. Campfires are a place for planning the future. Campfires are a place, campfires are a place to make love, right? Campfires are a place for all kinds of things. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so it's, it's really interesting. So w- you're exactly right. And regardless of those of us you know, there, there is, there is good science on the brain chemistry that happens, the, the neural connections that are made, you know, the, the overdeveloped amygdala that can happen with a person who grew up in a highly charged traumatic environment or a person who's been exposed to a war zone or, you know, a person who has had constant mistreatment, right. Or a person who has received, you know, con- consistent abuse, verbal, physical, sexual, other, other types of abuse. Like there, there is science now that tells us that, look, this, this person exposed to these things over time, it is going to, it is going to produce a pattern within them to act out in rage more quickly, to lose control to, you know, blow up all over the place, to, you know, take a Coke can and shake up the Coke can and it explodes, right? Instead of the slow release, right? That we can teach. So it is, dude, it is how we frame it. And so thank God for neural plastic or plastic brain plasticity in our minds. Like, thank God that we we're not, we're not fixed. You know, we have room for growth. And Andy, I know, I, I remember the first time you and I had a conversation, a one-on-one. I, I remember where I was. I would remember what I was doing. I remember what you you were going through. I remember the call that we had that morning, and you were sharing some of the things. that. You, and I was like, oh, man, I mean, dude, this is rough. And I was, you know, and I've, dude, I've watched you grow. And the images and stuff that you post, and it's you and your kids in the backyard, and you and your kids just hanging out. Man, you're growing, you're like, you're being dad, right? You're You're not you're not letting your situation dictate who you are. You're dictating to your situation. I think that's huge. I think that is what it's a hundred. I think that's what it's all about period. 
Yeah, and that took me getting away from focusing on what I didn't want to be. Because mm. around that time that we first met was right when I sobered up too. And I was so focused for so many years after, like right when my kids were born of not being my dad that I started becoming, I started drinking more, um, not present, all of that, right? And somebody in the math, I don't know who said it, I've heard it from multiple people so many times now, but it's like, you got to focus on what you want. And that's just what I want. I want to create experiences for my kids and just have fun. Like, and I don't, you know, going back to like holding on to things and how long does it take you to work through those, those problems or whatever it is, whether it's a significant other or whoever, like how long do you want to carry that weight around? I refuse to carry, I, I walk around pretty light on my feet every day mm. because I don't take stuff personally. I believe that everybody not everybody, that's, can't speak in absolutes, right? But the vast majority of people in this world have very good intentions. Sometimes they just don't come out the way that you perceive them well. And maybe not the way that they wanted those things to come out, right? So you, you, there's this room for interpretation, but if you can walk around thinking that the majority of people are good people and want the best for everybody else around them, it just, it, it opens up your world to just, I mean, I've, I've just, once I adopted that mindset, like life has just, it's been great. And, and, and even with these extremes that I've had over the last couple of years, um, you know, two years and 10 funerals um, and another break, you know, my divorce. And then, a, a you know, that was four years ago almost. And then this breakup with Kate recently, I'm grateful for it all. Every single bit of it because I look at where I'm at and the growth that I've, I've taken on during those periods. Like I wouldn't be where I'm at and I love where I'm at right now. We talked about this last night on Reggie's call. I'm like, I am trying to never sound arrogant about it, but I have a really good life. Not wealthy by any means. <laughs> I don't make a lot of money, but I'm extremely fucking happy. Well, I'd say you're a rich man then. And that's good. I, I don't, I don't, I don't put wealth in, in monetary. I'm not talking, you know what I mean? I'm, yeah, I'm not saying. Yep. I, and I know that that's yeah. what you're saying. Like yep. wealth can come from many different things. Right. But I have a very full life. Yeah. And, and it's been taking action and surrounding myself with the right people. I went last night because most people in here probably have heard my ex-in-laws fronted me the money to be able to put the down payment down on my house. I got to go to them two and a half months later and cut them a check for 10 grand last night That's um, because I hustled my ass off during this quarantine time and kept working and lived like a monk here for a little while. Didn't buy anything because they, they provided me an opportunity to build something awesome for my kids and myself. Right. Like I'm just, I'm so full. Like I'm having a hard time not getting welled up in my eyes right now, like talking about it. Cause I, I am so grateful for you guys here on this call, the guys that are watching this in the Alliance, whatever it is, like everybody has played a part in me getting to where I'm at right now. And, and I'm just, I, I, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It is. I think I, I think I actually um, feel the sense of where you're coming from. And the, the thing that I kind of want to go back to for a minute, if you're a guy 
who is living in denial about any issue or anything that he's creating in his life that's unhealthy because that was that was what I did you know Andy the the things that you've experienced in your life like you you the things that you've experienced are largely outside of your control you you didn't control Kate's decisions you didn't control your ex-wife's decisions you didn't control the the deaths that you've experienced those four things that happen within your circles right and so you had an opportunity to respond to those in a so many different ways and you've decided to say you know what i'm going to pick up the bowl by the horns and i'm going to carry the weight i'm going to carry the bowl up the hill every day i'm going to carry it every day i'm not going to run from it i'm not going to i'm not going to die under it i'm going to carry it and for the guys who are in that circumstance where it's things that are external, you got Andy for those guys who are, you've created your own messes, right? You've created situations that are unhealthy. Your outbursts or your tendencies or your prevalences to, do whatever it is that you've done or, you know, cheat on your wife or continue to stay in a porn addiction or continue to lose your top and blow up in anger or continue to be a jerk to your kids or continue to be selfish in your marriage or continue to be, you know, unethical in your business practices or whatever it is. Like if you're creating those things in your life, there's no, like you can't live in that denial. You have to face those things if you want to get to that place like Andy has just described and it's absolutely beautiful what you just described you described you described what I think the Bible calls and I'm not trying to get back to religion but what I think the Bible calls the fullness of life that's what you've just described man that is a full life that is a you know, when I, and I'm not, I'm not puffing my chest out in pride here, but I'm puffing my chest out and it's just a gratitude. I've lived rightly. I'm doing things right. I'm carrying my own load every day, man. And to me, man, that's, that's a life that counts. That's a life that's worth living. Like that's a life that's worth, that's a life that's worth mimicking. That's a life that's worth being like, that's a life that you want your kids to see, you know? And this is where it's great. This is where I, where I feed off of Andy. A lot of individuals become complacent now because they think they may have it all. Or, you know, John just said, I'm, I'm there. You're not a complacent person. I'm not a complacent person. I know John's not. I know Jason's not. We're going to find now that next level, right? And we're going to strive for it. And we're going to go for that goal, right? It's going to be Everest. It's going to be Matterhorn. You know, knowing that we probably won't get to that pinnacle, but we're not going to stop until our last breath. We're going to leave that legacy. Yeah, well said. Andy, I really appreciate you sharing that a moment ago. Um, I'm glad I happened to pop on. I got a super busy day today, and I'm super glad I popped on Facebook and seen you guys were live. And I'm, I, it's, it's so weird, and this could go back into – 
some of the stuff we talked about earlier, but I was going to miss Reggie's call last night. I try to jump on there every Tuesday night and I was super busy last night. I wanted to get to bed early and something told me to log on. And it was between that and this call. These are probably two of the best calls I've been on in the last six months. Um, Hey Andy, I just I'm having a hard time talking right now. Like I'm, I don't know. I'm in a weird spot the last few days. Like I, I've just been so overwhelmed with just really loving life. Like I really am. And there's nothing extravagant. There's nothing big happening. There's nothing grand. It's just, it's the simple little stuff. Yeah. But it just fills me up so much. And like getting out, maybe I'm, maybe it's like coming up on that time of the month for me. I don't know what it is, but like I've been super emotional and just, but, but sitting in these, just these really good places. And there's been some, tough stuff like Kate stopped by last week to pick up a couple things from the house and it was a great time and we hung out and she had her boys with her and we talked for a while and when she left I got into this kind of a dark spot and I was like man I just I know why I'm there is because I still deeply love and care for that girl and that's okay we're not together and that's okay like that that is okay I can still have that deep love and affection for her we're just not together anymore and that's okay it's okay. It work out. It's okay as long as you make it a healthy okay, right? Totally, totally. Yep. Um, and so there's, yeah. Go ahead. No, it, and that's where I think individuals who don't have support networks they they lose that uh, mm-hmm. that I don't know the right word I'm looking for, but they I guess that focus. It's 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 okay to love somebody and have healthy. Now, if it gets to the point of compulsive, right. Or stalking, yeah. right. Cause there's those individuals totally. because they still love someone. That you're, it's like honest assessment. Like Andy has a healthy and an honest assessment of where things are. He also has a healthy and an honest assessment of himself. And Andy, I think the thing is, is and if you got to take the call, take the call. But I think the thing is, and this is, this is the lesson for all of us. Um, and this is why this content has been, I mean, the content on anger has been the, I mean, for me, it's been like, I'm, I wish we would have done this sooner. Like, I wish I would have thought about doing this before. I wish I would have, Hey Larry, can we do content on anger? And the reason being because of all the areas in my life where I, I carry, have carried the most shame past tense have carried the most shame is in my anger is in those moments of outburst and Andy what you're what you're demonstrating is you're demonstrating that when you go all in right whatever you put into something you're going to get out of it and whether you're doing a bench press or whether you're wrestling with some sort of decision or issue or some sort of outside stressor in your life. Yeah. You can, you can, you can rack this. You can metaphorically rack the situation, right? You can set it aside and escape into some unhealthy headspace. You, you sure you can do that. People do that all the time. People run from their problems all the time, or you can accurately and healthy, healthily assess the situation, know yourself, know where you are, and that's gold. 
Guys, we we're we're about fifteen minutes past the top of the hour. I do need to I do need to wrap up and get on. Um, Palmer, you're back on. Palmer, any parting shots for us? I don't know if he's joined by audio or not. Scott. Oh. But you're cutting out a lot. Yeah, Jason, you're cutting out a lot. All right, Andy, Scott, you guys, any parting shots? You know, the biggest thing is I, I hope a lot of guys in the Alliance watch this, and I hope it continues to add to their uh, their curriculum and, and anger resolution. And uh, just take action, though. It, it, you know, I think that's the biggest thing. All of us, we're talking about the actions we've taken, right? We, we're diving in. Dive in. Get vulnerable and come out stronger and better. And, Andy, I sent it to you in a text, but I want you to hear it also. The text is so you forever had it. I love you very much, man. And I I just learn so much from you all the time. Man, I just put my Kleenex down. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that, Scott. Um, I, you know, the biggest thing for me is when it comes to this anger stuff is just letting go of control. A lot of my anger comes from control. And when I feel like I've got this perceived loss of control over what's going on, and a lot of it's usually the stupid little stuff. So let the stupid little stuff go. Like we don't need to control everything. Like it's okay that your kid's jumping on the couch. Like it's really not, you know, like why do you let that get you so angry? And then a big thing for me with the death and the divorce and like all those things, like I'm, I've realized that in, in this country and in this culture, we have a really hard time with things ending. We don't want to believe that things end. We want to believe that things transition. And when you can get really comfortable with knowing that things end, that anger directed towards that thing no longer being goes away. Yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's that's really a cool observation, man, because you can actually take away the power that fuels anger mm -hmm. by coming comfortable with it. Things, things end, and that's okay. I so. think that's well said. I think that's a great note to end on. Guys, absolute pleasure. Thank you for being in my life. Um, if I have you guys permission, we've been live right now, but once this, uh, if you guys are cool with it, when the zoom renders out, I'll upload it to our DEA page and, uh, tag you guys in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, cool. cool All right, from Palmer, y'all have an amazing day. Go crush it. Go love somebody. Catch you next time. See you fellas. Take care, ben. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of Life That Counts. Tune in next time for more insight with host John Williams.